going hand in hand, increased wages for individuals who are working. It's time to switch. It's time for the pendulum to swing the other way. Let's start paying people a fair wage for a fair day's pay. I mean, a fair, you know, I'm a, I'm a union guy, so I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Yeah. But also, I mean, there's 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 mechanisms in place that can that can happen where the market can still bear what it needs to as far as um, what's a for, what what you know. Hmm. I don't think I think you can implement these tax incentives without hurting the market because oh, yeah. a lot of times you have. We, we get tax incentives for multi-million dollar corporations. Well, how about we give breaks and tax incentives to the actual citizens who live in the community? Yeah. It's time to do that now. Because what's good for a company is not always as good for its citizens. Howdy, you're listening to the Think Brasses podcast. We host conversations with locals, politicians, and policy experts to help families thrive in Brasses County, Texas. So when you're thinking about how to make your community better, just remember, think local, think Brazos. All right, this is uh, the Think Brazos podcast, and we're joined today by Fred Medina. He is candidate for the Democratic primary coming up in March for District 14 of the Texas State House. So. Fred, thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. So let's hear a little bit about yourself. Um, in just a couple of minutes, can we hear a little bit about your background and how sure. you got to the point of running? Sure. Uh, well, Fred Medina, I uh, was born and raised in Bryan, Texas, a Brazos County, really living college station now. Um, graduate of Bryan High School, graduate of Texas A&M University, graduated uh, Thurgood Marshall School of Law, Texas Southern University. Um, I. Uh, was a package guard driver for UPS. I was a union steward there. I was a former member okay. of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, um, working there delivering packages. I was also a union steward, like I said. I um, then decided to go to law school afterwards, went to law school with my wife and two kids. That was a challenge. Wow. I was able to get through that though. Um, and uh, I've been practicing the law. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that, was, that was tough, but I have, you know, that's, yeah. That's, that's a testament. That's not a testament to me. That's a testament to my wife. Truly, truly is. Um, hardworking lady. And uh, I have my two ch children, Abigail and Mary. And I have a granddaughter that, okay. that I dote on a lot. Her name is Zoe. But uh, that's my background for the most part. Uh, military veteran. I was also a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces. I was a cannoneer as a, in the U.S. Army. Nice. Uh, regular Army. And... Uh, uh, Six years reserve, inactive reserve. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that's basically my background right there, okay. coming into the a brief, a brief breakdown there. So I've got a long, a wide range of things that I've done yeah. in my life. Well, have you run for office any time previous to this? Um, I ran for Brazos County Attorney okay. uh, in 2016 okay. uh, in the Democratic primary, and then I faced off against Earl Gray in the mm -hmm. general election. And uh, great, uh, Earl, Earl, Earl defeated me. Um, okay. And um, you know, hats off to him. He ran a great race. And more importantly, we ran a very clean race, very respectful race. Um, and he's a very good friend of mine. He's still a good friend of mine. And we, we, we haven't talked in a while, but we we talk pretty regularly. Okay. Before the holidays. So you're a, um, you have your own practice in town, or you work with another um, attorney um, practice? I have worked in the past. I'm an assist. I was an assistant attorney general for the state of Texas for approximately seven years, uh, but primarily I've been in my own practice. Primarily okay. doing a, 
Uh, I, I do. A, it's a boot. What they call a boutique from it, basically okay. a, a property law, like a lot of criminal defense, divorce, family, uh, child yeah. protective service okay. cases, uh, property law, wills. I mean, probate. Mm-hmm. I, I do guardianships. It, it's it's a wide range of things. Okay. There's pretty much a lot of things. It's 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 easier to say what I what I can do as opposed to what I don't do. Yeah. Okay. And so here you are. You're practicing law. You're you're doing that in Bryan College Station and then um, the House District 14 pops up. Uh, Mr. John Rainey retires or is going to retire. Uh, What kind of pushed you into running for the Democratic position here? Um, I'm seeing everybody talks about, and I'm just going to be blunt here, everybody talks about how much of a divided country we are. Uh, politically and I think we're divided but it's mainly the division comes from one party I'm gonna be blunt about that um, I've seen the Republican Party come in that they, they've taken since probably basically since 1994 the Republican Revolution you know back then oh, yeah. it was people were harping on me and people were I said this is just the beginning they're gonna take over the court system they're gonna take over you know since the, if they don't like the laws they're gonna change the laws if mm-hmm. they don't uh, um, if the um, they don't care a lot of, I'm not talking to your rank and file Republicans because there are some Republicans out there, like my good friend Earl Gray, who don't like what's going on. Well, I don't want to speak for him, but there are some Republicans out there who don't like what's going on in mm-hmm. the country right now. Um, and you know, calling yourself a patriot and storming the Capitol—that's not good. So those were one of the things. And as a former somebody who, you know, I raised my hand to to defend the Constitution against enemies, foreign mm-hmm. and domestic. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people under the guise of patriotism stating that, that we need a revolution I said mm. there's, I said because your guy didn't win there's not a reason for a revolution yeah. okay. I had to sit there and watch Donald Trump who I think is probably one of the most vile persons you can think of everything about him. every fear every fear mongering that I've ever heard far right wingers talk about um, any of our former presidents or democratic leaders they're all personified in him mm. but they turn a blind eye to that and I'm hoping to get Democrats to the polls. I'm hoping to get independents to the polls and disaffected Republicans because there's some out there that are that don't like us. They're they're just yeah. they're quiet about it, but there are a lot of them who don't like the way the country's going. And for the record, just for anybody watching, listening, uh, the Think Brothers podcast is absolutely nonpartisan. <laughs> absolutely. And so I probably should have said that at the beginning that you know when we're covering these primaries, you're gonna talk about the the politics. But just well, and, to put that on the record. Well, and um, I just wanted to state that out there. I mean, yes, you for some of what some of my uh, yeah impetuses no. for running were, but also I mean, and not just not just the also um, a lot of social issues mm-hmm. that were out there, but for the main part. Um, you know, one of the main reasons I am running is what, what put, you asked me what pushed me over yeah. the edge. Mm-hmm. What pushed me over the edge, it was a lot of things, and I run, it was public education. Okay. Yeah, we're When I saw that. Greg Abbott go into basically, he, he wants to push vouchers. Right. Public tax dollars out of public schools to go into private schools. That's what pushed me over the edge. Okay. That's what pushed me over the edge. And what really got me, I was like, he's pushing this agenda, if you will. And he didn't visit, to my best of my knowledge, or at least in Brazos County, if this was such a great deal for children yeah. and for parents, this under the guise of school choice, he didn't go to Bryan High, 
He didn't go to College Station High. He didn't go to A&M Consolidated, Rudder, any of the other middle, any of the middle schools or elementary schools. He went to Brazos Christian School, which is, those are good people. It was very nice. I met a lot of good people there. But if this was such a great plan, why are you going there and not to the actual people who it's going to affect? Okay. To me, it was just a dog and pony show. And it's, it's just a, to me, it was just another pull of public dollars into, into yeah. some private. I mean, if there's problems with the public schools, one of the ways you don't do it is to take money from them. That's, that, that's flat out ridiculous. And if mm-hmm. I'm elected, that's not going to happen. And that's actually and, one of the topics that I wanted to discuss. So this is totally fine. Um, sorry. I no, no, go ahead. Um, you know, talking about school choice, I think we heard enough to know where you stand on that, that it's invest in public education, don't take tax dollars for private ed- education. But do you have anything else that you wanted to add as far as your stance on those uh, that issue? Because it does appear to be continuing to possibly even in the next session, they'll still be talking. Well, about they tried it. to ram it down our throats mm-hmm. with three special sessions. Right. And to uh, John Rainey, the uh, to, to prior representative Rainey and uh, Mr. Casal mm-hmm. up in, who was in the uh, who represented the other parts of Brazos yeah. County, um, and uh, you know, they understood that you know there were also in a, you know, our district is somewhat rural as well, right? And nobody rural districts don't want that. They don't want that. I mean, they they have enough they having enough problems as it is without money being taken away from their public schools. Mm. And it's just not about me stamping my foot and saying it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea for many reasons. There's going to be no accountability. Who, what's the criteria for the students that they're going to be taking? There's going to be what's the curriculum, what, you know, et cetera. I mean, I'm, I'm also a firm believer in separation of church and state. I'm 100% for that. I'm not saying no religion, but I'm like, uh, you know, the, uh, there's a wall there. And it, our founding fathers put that wall up there for a reason. And it, served, it has served us well. And as much as people try to break that down, um, I think it's a bad idea mm-hmm. for, for, for tax dollars to go to any private school, whether it be religious or otherwise. If they, if, now, if they want... If they want to open their doors, maybe have a scholarship program or something to that effect to, to say, hey, we'll open our doors to you. They can do that themselves. Public dollars don't need to go to that. And, and, and like I said, there's no, I have not heard one iota about what's going to be the accountability mm-hmm. for these schools right. if they're going to be taking public dollars. No, I haven't heard anything about that. Mm-hmm. So, um Kind of going on to a, a different topic here. And excuse me, I have, I have a cold. So oh yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, is I want to talk a little bit about affordable housing, but I'm going to preface it with this: that um, my wife actually looked this up for me, but over a thousand people a day are coming to Texas, or at least in the last year, I uh, have been coming uh, daily. So you've got a lot of influx of people. Um, even though that's really good that Texas is a place that draws folks in, there are still effects uh, on the population. One of them is, is housing, where will people affordably find a place to stay? Um, what is your view of the role of the state if you believe that, yeah, there are um, consequences to all these people coming in? Um, you know, and most people will admit that it that it does. But um, I'm sorry, I'm not phrasing this great. But what do you think the role of the state is in things like housing affordability, helping to preserve affordable housing, um, as well as other well, I think policy the, areas? I think it's first off. Well, not first off. There's a lot of things that go hand in hand. 
None of them, I think, one, not one thing is any more important than the other at one particular time. For instance, one of the main things you can do is, number one, is uh, from a standpoint, when you talk about affordable housing, well, that goes with wages. That's one of the things people or, you know, you always read these magazines or these, uh, you know, these you know, Forbes magazine, and they talk about, yes, come to Texas. It's a great place for investment. It's a great place for yeah. entrepreneurship, a great place to start a company. And that's fantastic. I'm, I, we need that. We need that team to come in. That's what's driving our economy. Right. What's ruining our economy is that nothing has stepped up with the cost of living. Mm. Minimum wage is still $7.50 an hour, 25 cents an hour. Yeah. It's never moved up. Right. It's never moved up. Right. You can actually pay someone. That's not a living wage. And there's some people that say, well, that's, those are jobs, you know, um, those are jobs that uh, are, are starter jobs for, mm-hmm. for Tina. I said, no, a lot of people make a living on those jobs. So let's just get that out of the way. And I'm talking about, you know, I mean, even if we look at our county employees, they're here. They receive a rate when they do get a wage, a, a wage increase. I hear the complaints about from them all the time. This barely covering. Well, last year, our cost of our insurance went up. It barely covers that. So it's time for, and all these studies, all these uh, great uh, magazines and stuff that come out and say how great we are for business on the same vein, we're one of the worst states for labor. Mm. If you're not paying, I mean, you know, I think Henry Ford said it when he was making his cars, uh, when he was making his fortune, mm-hmm. he said he needs to make these cars, but the people who work on these cars need to have make the wage to be able to afford to buy those cars. Sure. We've gotten away from that. I mean, that's Henry Ford, hardly a man who's a bastion, you know, yeah. a, a, one of the greatest business. You say Ford, you say, oh, great businessman. Right. That's what he's saying. So mm-hmm. we need to get back to that, to making, first off, you got to give people a fair wage so that they can mm-hmm. start buying houses. Second off, you got to make housing affordable. Right. You know, my home right now, um, you know, we're looking at homes right now as investment properties where it's, it's no longer a shelter. And, you know, this is a great place for rentals, but it's not so much a great place for for uh, for buying a home. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's the affordability? What How can you afford to do that? Number one is, you, you know, well, first off, make the, uh, you know, back in the, it was the 80s. No, sorry. During the housing crisis, they said make housing affordable mm-hmm. or make housing. No, they didn't say make housing affordable. They mean how they said make housing available. Mm-hmm. And then they marketed all these different plans for us. And, of course, we know what happened with those plans. There were balloon payments, interest oh. rates, things like that. And they end up almost killing our economy. We definitely don't need anything like that. Hmm. And now we need to go back and look at that and say, okay, it's not about making bank loans available. It's about making housing affordable. And I think that's where Habitat for Humanity comes into place. Some of these other organizations that are ch- but charitable in nature. We don't need charity. We need, we need, we need housing. We need, first off... Getting rid of any unnecessary regulations that limit uh, or or hold back individuals from investing in housing. Now, I'm not saying all regulations because I'm, I'm, you know, I've seen what dereg. We all have seen what deregulation can do to any industry, whether it be right. the grid, <laughs> housing, um, uh, phone services. We've seen all that. So I'm not saying get rid of all regulations, but get rid of unnecessary unnecessary regulations. That way, builders can. Be, have, maybe they can have a more emphasis of making for housing affordable. Okay. Um, what's the answer? Maybe tax incentives. Um, definitely, uh, definitely get better rates for first-time home buyers. I mean, there's the there's the, the there's the, the solid rate that goes up, and I believe it's set by the Fed. 
and what have you, and the banks follow that. Yeah. I said maybe have some incentive for first-time home buyers and and maybe what we used to call a starter home, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. You know, make it more affordable for them. Tax credits for the first few years so that they can don't have to uh, they don't have to get the cru- they don't mm-hmm. get those crushing bills from uh, property taxes. But that's a double-edged sword here because now your know, property taxes are, just, are tied yeah. to how we school fund our schools, and that right. needs to change. But we need. I think it goes number one. Well, number number one, but going hand in hand, increase wages for individuals who are working. It's time to switch. It's time for the pendulum to swing the other way. Let's start paying people a fair wage for fair days pay. I mean, a fair, you know, I'm a, I'm a union guy, so I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Yeah. But also, I mean, there's 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 mechanisms in place that can that can happen where the market can still bear what it needs to as far as um, what's a for, what what you know. I don't think I think you can implement these tax incentives without hurting the market because oh, yeah. a lot of times you have we we get tax incentives for multi-million dollar corporations. Well, how about we give breaks and and tax incentives to the actual citizens who live in the community? Yeah. It's time to do that now, because what's good for a company is not always as good for its citizens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, state programs. Uh, so if you are elected in November. Um, you would go to the state house and there'd be a variety of different state programs that are have been created to um, take on the challenge of affordable housing. Some programs work a little better than others. I know Habitat, we're partners with a few of them. Um, they are mainly related to kind of getting more supply of affordable housing. So what I'm hearing from you is that you would be supportive of programs like that, right? I would be supportive of that, but I think we need to think outside of the box too, okay. which is you're not what's what I'm from what I'm understanding. Um, and like I said, I have to, you know, I'm doing the homework on a lot of these things home affordability, water rights, the grid, mm-hmm. um, wages, etc. Well, wages, I'm pretty well versed in that. Um, but you know, when I look at housing affordability, so you're talking about material costs. That's that that a lot of that is driving it, but right. I think a lot of that might be what's going on now with the supply chain. I mean, you know, getting getting the goods, they're not having to wait. Um, contractors, um, there's also uh, from what I understand here locally, there's also a uh, contractors are saying there's a there's a, not a great um, uh, pool, if you will, of skilled workers to be able to right. do things. So one of the things, but you know, I understand you need to pay those persons a fair wage as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking a lot of it is, you know, what's the builders are saying, well, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to have a skilled workforce, you're going to have to, it's time to pay for that skilled workforce. Right. But that should, you know, now they're, they're, a lot of times I say, well, that's going to get passed on to yeah. the customer. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. Paying that fair wage. But now you're going to have somebody that can afford that house. But the question is now. Now. Oh, go ahead. No, you, you can. No. So um, you can have the, you have the. Also, I mean, uh, fixing the supply chain. I don't know what can be done about that. Um, whatever can be done to fix that, that needs to be done. And if I can do the same thing at the state house, um, I'll definitely do that. Now, the other thing is having uh, um, maybe building homes that are uh, we need more uh, thinking outside the box. Your traditional uh, types of wood. I mean, this, mm-hmm. this, this is this is this might not seem something small, but I've been reading things where people are using bamboo, alternative mm-hmm. alternative things that work just as well. Um, you don't lose anything, and it's and you can also give 
those builders or something for do, using more more renewable or outside the box materials mm-hmm. that continue to build a quality home, mm-hmm. um, giving them also tax incentives for using it. So now the builders yeah. make, the builder has an incentive to make that home out of something alternative that's readily available mm-hmm. and maybe uh, more a little bit more cost cost effective or mm-hmm. not cost effective, give that builder the credit for thinking outside the box as yeah. well. And they, now they have an incentive to do something, and that that goes hand in hand with building an affordable That's a good house. Point. So um, that brings up another interesting point, where typically what you're seeing with the position that you are running for, um, it's the House of Representatives, the Senate, uh, can often be I don't want to say at odds, but sometimes there's tension there between what they call local control at the local level and quite a bit of oversight from the state level. Uh, Your example of kind of freeing up, um, I guess, supply chain or materials, thinking outside the box, that's something that in a lot of cities currently, you can't necessarily use those materials. And so some states have done things like, done statewide regulation, allowing for those kind of things. And then others, is they leave it, they say local control is what it is and leave it to the local politicians to change that. What side would you say that you plan to be on if you're elected? Um, yes. Both? <laughs> it's neither. Here's what I've, in all my years of watching politics, being on the sidelines, okay. being involved in it, everybody, or excuse me, people hate big government. Sure. Unless it's their big government. Right. That's what I've noticed. So what is big government? Is it is it is it the state in Austin? Is it the state house in Austin? State house in Austin? State house in Austin telling you what to do? Is it Washington telling you what to do? Is it the is it the local municipality telling builders what they can do? I mean, there's a saying government. It's not just Washington and Austin. It's also the local municipalities that I'm sure I'm pretty sure the builders butt heads with the local people here. Oh, so yeah. you talk about local control. What what? That's a question right there. What is local control? Because just because, you know, you might say, oh, the uh, the county or the city, they're handling things and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't see behind the scenes what the builders have to deal with. They don't see behind the seals, the, uh, behind the scenes what the real estate uh, agents have to do and developers have to do. So there's there's maybe a misnomer there that just because it's local control doesn't mean everybody's everything's hunky-dory and everything's mm-hmm. melting. I'm pretty sure there's some issues there. So I think... My role would be in Austin to say what basically, you know, this is where I'm, I'm a, I would be a junior representative. There's a learning curve. Sure. So I'd have to go and say, well, what's good, what's bad? Um, you know, like you said, there's, there, there needs to be some flexibility in allowing builders to use alternative things. Mm-hmm. And but, you know, whether that how how is that done? Is it through a, some type of government grant, some type of new material? Hey, try this. We need, and, and where municipalities are more open to that, where in the past, I mean, this might be a bad example, but um, well, paper goods. Mm-hmm. We kill a lot of, we, you, know, we, you know, computers were supposed to help us, and I mean, we ended up killing more trees after computers. <laughs> it took years and yeah. years and years before people started to say, hey, we're going to go paperless now. Mm-hmm. You didn't hear that maybe even five years ago. People still were cranking out paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, my office now, it took me a while. It's a gener- It's almost like a mindset thing. Oh my God, I need this tangible thing. You don't necessarily need that. 
So mm-hmm. it, sometimes it's a cultural change that has to happen okay. with the, with local control and municipalities saying, "Oh, I didn't." You know, it, it, that seems foreign to me. I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't like you know, my yeah. example using bamboo. What what yeah. bamboo? You're gonna have holes in that? No, it's you know, using recycled plastics, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, people need to change their mindset on how they and that either goes with politicians, builders, what have you, to think outside the box. I mean, we, there's a lot of smart people in this. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. we there's a lot we can do together. Um, as opposed to what makes brings us apart you know yeah. that's old cliche but it's true yeah. okay is there anything uh in the next minute or so that we missed or anything you'd like to say and how can people get in touch with you um you can get in touch with me um uh, at uh they can call me at any time i'll give them my number 979-985-5679 that's my that's my uh, business number but sure. I'm, I'm i'm doubling that as my political number uh, you can email me at fred medina tx14 at gmail.com and uh, we also have a facebook page so you can see me on my facebook fred medina for texas house 14 um so that's how you can contact me if you want to talk about anything but um you know I, we talk about i mean i know we're here mainly for talking about building and things yeah. like that but my main focus on my campaign is public education um, wages, labor, and uh, speaking about big government, the government shouldn't be telling a woman what to do with their body. Gotcha. So those are the main three, but for us, thrust of my campaign. But uh, it's just more. But it's more than that. Okay. It's the water, water rights of the state of Texas, and uh, our grid, okay. that, which is you know, that's a big issue for me. And of course, as always. Um, renewable energy and uh, mm-hmm. all the pollution that is really, really, really inundating the state, specifically West Texas and other parts that we're not talking about. Okay. Well, Mr. Medina, um, it has been fun to talk to you today. Best of luck. And, Appreciate uh, that. This has been Fred Medina um, on the Think Brazos podcast running for the Democratic Primary District 14 of the State House. Thank you. Thank you. The Think Brass's podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. Our mission is a community where everyone can afford a home they're proud of. Habitat is a 501c3 charitable organization, so we do not make political endorsements. If you'd like to support our work in the community, you can make a tax-deductible donation online at habitatbcs.org. The Think Brasses podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and on our website at thinkbrasses.org. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you'd prefer to watch videos of our conversations. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think Brasses. Think Brasses.